0: What's good everybody? This is Sky and you're listening to Beneath the Frozen Sea, the Davy Jones Lockerroom.com podcast where we cover the NHL and in specific the history-making Seattle Kraken. Who, and let's get right into it. Beat the Golden Knights out of doors at T-Mobile Park in an absolutely phenomenal game. The Kraken beat the Vegas Golden Knights 3 to nothing. That's the first Shutout of the 15 iterations of the Winter Classic so far. Personally, I'd recommend looking up Allison Ballard's work over at DJLR for a more in-depth review of what happened there last afternoon. But from my perspective, they just beat them at every level of the game. This was probably the best game the Kraken have played in the last three years. I know that there are a couple of games we could probably go back to and say, oh, no, this one was better because it got them in the playoff position. Or, oh, no, uh, Game 7 against Colorado was better because that was their first playoff win. But, like, this was from bell to bell to bell, the best game the Kraken have ever played. They were on top of the Knights. They forechecked them like crazy. They attacked the goaltender and they attacked the front of the net. They forced Vegas' defense to make mistakes. And in their own end, they were immaculate. They kept the net front very clean. They allowed Joey Decord to see just about everything. And when Joey had to make a huge save, Joey made it because he's unreal right now. Just an absolutely phenomenal night. Let's go over the scoring summary here. It starts with an Ellie Tolvin and Tip-In from a blast from Vince Dunn. Getting the first goal was huge, but the way that Ellie Tolvanen got that first goal really signified something special was happening. And in retrospect, I'm a little mad I didn't see it at the moment. Tolvanen was untouched. He was the only player in front of the goalie. So really, all he had to do was just keep an eye on the puck and see where it was going and challenge Thompson. And he did, and he won. Great opening goal. T-Mobile Park goes absolutely nuclear. And then they just... Keep going. It doesn't stop. The forechecking doesn't stop. The Knights look discombobulated. And it continues into the second period with the second goal of the night. Will Borgen charges into the zone, cranks one right past Logan Thompson. That's his first from the year from a Ty Cartier feed. And that was the moment I knew this was a win. Should Thompson have had it? Eh, Maybe. That's a pretty tough angle to shoot from. And it's an even tougher angle to save, especially considering that was on his blocker side. But again, the Knights were just seeding lanes to the Kraken. They could have shot from anywhere, and it probably could have gotten to Logan Thompson. Now, in fairness, was the ice good? Uh, They're never really good. I said in the last episode that ice in these kind of games gets pretty squirrely. It was definitely true of this one. There were multiple chances where the Kraken were basically right on top of Logan Thompson trying to get a shot off and there was just this pile of snow right around the puck it was making, creating opportunities a real nightmare for them. But the important thing is that the Kraken adjusted first, and they never let up. They did give up some pretty primo scoring chances to Jack Eichel, both of which were stopped by Joey Decord. It was basically two save-of-the-year candidates in the same Winter Classic on the same guy, Gotta be a rough sleep for Jack Eichel knowing that he possibly could have turned this around at any point. Speaking of getting turned around, the Kraken held that commanding 2-0 lead all the way into the third period. And one man had the worst night of anybody. Paul Cotter on the Vegas Golden Knights got stripped by Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord charged to the net, took a shot, got his rebound off of Logan Thompson right in front of him, basically close enough to hear him breathe, and then potted it home. Yanni Gord had that guy in hell. It was just an awesome sequence, and it was reward for hard work because Yanni Gord was a team leader in shot attempts and unblocked shot attempts. Time ticked down. Joey Decord had one last excellent save in him. He was already the first star of my night, he was just running up the score, getting that second unbelievable stretch out save on Jack Eichel, and the Kraken won it. Just an unforgettable night in Soto, probably going to be one of the few unforgettable nights of the year at T-Mobile Park. At least until the Mariners decide to spend money again, whenever that is. But the Kraken cannot rest on their laurels as much as I'd like them to. They've got a pretty tight schedule to uphold over the next couple of weeks. Their next game is in Seattle against the Ottawa Senators. I would hope that they take advantage of the fact that the Ottawa Senators aren't very good at defense to turn this five-game winning streak into a six-game winning streak. And then our deer squids are on the road for a long, long time, and they are going to be playing a lot of games, all at 4 and 3 PT, so uh, set your DVRs. Starts on the 9th with the Buffalo Sabres, not an exactly great team. They're a pretty good scoring team, they just have no goaltending. Then they go play the Caps on the 11th, that's a team that is rapidly rising in the standings. And then they get to go play the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that is uh, pretty moribund at all levels of the game right now. It's on the 13th at 3. Then on the 15th and 16th, they've got a back-to-back. They start with Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 15th and the Rangers on the 16th, and the Rangers are a very, very, very good team. And then on their way back home, they finish up against the Edmonton Oilers. Pretty involved schedule for the middle of January, but it's one they need. They are just a single point out of a playoff spot as of right now, and they got to keep up because both of the wildcard teams are on a heater, And the Edmonton Oilers, who are right below them, are also on a heater as well. This is what a lot of people were expecting the Pacific Division in general to be like. Right now, it just seems like the Western Conference in general is turning into a bit of a dogfight. Mercifully, the Kraken seem to have a pretty nice week ahead of them, so long as they keep up the good work. So maybe, just maybe by the time they meet the Penguins, maybe get that scheduled loss in with the Rangers and come back against the Oilers swinging? Once they come home, the schedule doesn't exactly get any tougher. They have one game against the Leafs and then it's all just bottom feeders from then on out. But there's an opportunity here for this team that has been struggling so hard to get to NHL 500 to be well above it by the time the week-long All-Star break comes up in February. Of course, every time I have even insinuated this, the Kraken have made it impossibly difficult on themselves. So, I am just saying, there is an opportunity. It's up to them to actually try and get it. There's other Kraken news we're going to have to discuss, but before that, I just want to say congratulations to the city of Seattle for another wonderful winter classic. And, of course, to everyone who was lucky enough to go. I hope you enjoyed that experience for all it was worth. Alright, on to the legal stuff. I promise you I am about to truncate a lot of legal jargon because I am not a lawyer and I didn't get into this business because I wanted to be. So ahead of time, I apologize. The Kraken had a lawsuit filed against them by the owner of the Seattle Metropolitan's trademark, something I didn't think was possible due to the fact that the metros haven't been around in over a hundred years. As it turns out, a gentleman filed for the Seattle Metropolitan's trademark back around 2015, right around the time that the Vegas Golden Knights were being floated as a potential expansion team. I suppose the idea was to just sell the trademark to whichever team ended up in Seattle for a tidy sum. The lawsuit alleges that due to the Winter Classic jerseys looking clearly inspired by the Metropolitan's jerseys, that he would be in some form of financial difficulty due to the popularity of the sweater. Now, before you think this is just some patent troll who hung on to a trademark forever and then decided to try and extort an organization for it, the gentleman in question has made jerseys. I've gone to the website. You can absolutely go out and get flags. You can get jerseys of both the home and away variety. You can get t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, the works. The gentleman who currently owns the Metropolitan's trademark is not just hanging on to it, he's actively trying to do something with it. And the Kraken have had a working relationship with the gentleman in the past. They have tried to buy it from him multiple times, but he did not like the terms that they set for him. And under an agreement, the Kraken were allowed to put up a banner for the Metropolitans that currently hangs above the rink in Climate Pledge. As for whether or not I think that counts as trademark infringement, I think that this gentleman may have overplayed his hand a little bit. Well, yes, both jerseys are barber pole designs with a red S on them, the Kraken S is still very, very clear, and it also does not involve the word Seattle in the S itself, which the original Metropolitan's logo does indeed have. It is a shame that the gentleman who owns the trademark on the Metro's hasn't really been able to come to an amenable deal with the Kraken regarding the use of the Metro's logo in anything. But the team did their due diligence and made something that I think would probably end with a minor settlement in court and probably the deterioration of this working relationship for good. Which is a shame. I really like the Metro's jersey. I certainly like it a lot better than the Habs version of it. But I'm also not immune to the fact that this gentleman almost certainly bought this With the express purpose of trying to bilk the nhl out of enough money to probably retire so while i'd like the kraken to come to better terms with this gentleman i think we can all see through what he's doing here and it's just a shame that hockey history especially seattle hockey history pacific northwest hockey history which has been so under the radar due to its lack of proximity to you know the eastern side of the continent is being pulled under the wheels of a legal slap fight so shoutouts to the Seattle Ironmen and the Seattle Totems because I imagine that the Kraken are probably going to go back to the well for those teams rather than the Metros while they're still dealing with this issue. One can only wonder what Frank Patrick would have said to all this, especially since he tried to save the team's arena from becoming a parking lot and failed. Of course, given the time at which he was coaching, I'd imagine he would just be boondoggled by the idea of over a million dollars. Anyway, hope this issue gets resolved. It's a messy, dumb thing, and... I just don't like the fact that the history of this game is up for grabs like this. Moving on to prospect news, this happened the day you were listening to this. Or possibly yesterday. I don't know. I can't tell you when and where to listen to podcasts. But it's important that you know, a vast majority of the Kraken prospects at the World Juniors were eliminated today. At least the Canadian ones. The Scandinavian teams are doing just fine. Canada lost two to three to the Czech Republic today in the World Juniors in their knockout round, meaning they are eliminated from medal contention. This means that Carson Rakoff and Ty Nelson are coming home, and it seems like just about everybody who watched this looked at this and said, why wasn't Jagger Furcus there? Why didn't Team Canada just load up on the best players available to them? Which, of course, would have involved Furcus, but it was a bigger problem for them. This is the thing that a lot of the prognosticators of the World Juniors were interested in. They had talent, but they didn't have nearly as much of it as other teams in the tournament, and I think people are coming around to the idea that that was a choice, and a baffling one at that. Oh well, at least the Krakens still have players in the tournament, Finland and Sweden continue on in the semifinals, Zeb Forsvjall and the Swedes take on Czechia, and Jani Niemann takes on the United States with his home country of Finland. And that'll do it for our Winter Classic wrap-up. Once again, I gotta give it to the people of Seattle for absolutely getting behind this team, and I gotta give it to the Kraken for getting hot at just the right time. Let's see if they can keep this up going into January, February, and into March. And as always, if you want to listen to more, you can find Beneath the Frozen Sea wherever podcasts are found. Or if you'd like, you can take a look at our written content over at DavyJonesLockerRoom.com. Allison Ballard just put out a great look at how the Kraken kept a businesslike attitude even going into that wonderful game as well as work from Zam, M, myself, and Sean, detailing all things regarding the Seattle Kraken. We've got previews, recaps, and game threads for those fans who want to interact with each other during the game. For Beneath the Frozen Sea and DavyJonesLockerroom.com, my name is Sky, and thank you all so much for listening, and as always, go squids!